The year is 1991. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club where we're going through the best of Marvel Comics from its origins today. I'm Zach, the comic book journeyman, and today I'm joined by a new host. And look, this guy, he looks like Dave. He kind of uses the same words as Dave. He wears Dave's clothes. It's not Dave, though. Well, actually, I guess he still just goes by Dave. It's not the same Dave, but it's Dave. Dave, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah very little change uh i do have my beard is a little thicker it's a little blonder today and uh i also um i'm not i'm a worse dad than i was <laughs> a few weeks past uh i yeah. think it's fair to say uh but yeah no it's right it's dave strike uh i am here big acdc fan and i'm excited to be co-hosting today as we talk about the debut of Thunderstrike in Thor 432 to 433. This is My Marvelous Year, the show where we go through Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We're going to be talking about some comics that came out in Marvel 1991 today, including an amazing Spider-Man Venom story, some Fantastic Four stories by the Walt Simonson, as well as those aforementioned Thor comics. All of the comics that we read are listed in the show notes. You can also find uh, upcoming comics that we'll be reading in this reading club as we go year by year in the show notes as well. Now, if you want the full list of everything we're reading in the reading club, including past years, including future years, which are updated as we go, um, that you know they exist, but I'm updating them as well based on what's available in Marvel Unlimited, uh, that is available via backing us at patreon.com slash my marvelous year for as little as one dollar a month you can get the full spreadsheet but otherwise if this is not pay to play you can just read along with us via uh the issues in the show notes you know zach i did have somebody reach out and they they actually somehow they found the like the old link like when i set this up you know years ago they found that guide and it's it like it's not just available to anyone now because you know we, we run a club here and uh they were they somehow they found that link and i asked him i'm like yeah, like I'll, I'll I'll hook you up, but like, where did you find this? And they never got back to me. Secret rogue, my marvelous year spreadsheets are out there, Zach. And uh, this very this very confidential document. You guys would not believe the securities we have set up on this document. We've got Machine Man on the case. We've got that robot guy that fight Machine Smith. We've got him. Weird. I mean, I I don't. I certainly don't share that out. Except for the thir- the $30 tier. All right. So today, let's dig into uh, these comics that we got. We're starting with Amazing Spider-Man 347 to 340. No, no. 345 to mm-hmm. 347. This is written by David Michelini. Pencils uh, initially by Mark Bagley. Yeah, uh-huh. boy. And then following yeah. by uh, Eric Larson. But it's a it's a three-part Venom story, more or less. Venom lives. We got Return of Venom. This is the famed, famed Venom Island sequence, as uh, as has been referenced recently in the Venom series by Donny Cates with the return of Mark Bagley. And these comics are most notable to me 
for Eric Larson's Todd McFarlane impersonation, right? Like it's most <laughs> yeah, notable to yeah, me yeah. for Eric Larson stepping in as the new the Todd and, you know, doing his Venom and doing it more extreme, doing it more 90s. When you think of 90s Venom, this, you're thinking of Larson's, right? It's Rose green of like spittle shark, everywhere, shark teeth, long yeah. teeth. Yeah, su- super sharp teeth and a, a crazy is... long tongue. His jaw is like unhinged, <laughs> like literally <laughs> like unhinged literally, yeah. all the time. Something I think we pointed out is like one of the weird things about early Venom, the f- early Todd McFarlane drawings of Venom, is he just has like a normal human man's teeth. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, you know what? Like, I don't know if I prefer it. But, like, there's something that I really liked about that, that first time that he broke into the apartment with MJ, and it just had a big shot, a shot of him just grinning, this big grin. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. less like there's a huge, scary monster in the room, but it was more like there's a home invader in the room. There's a super creep. You go from super creeps to scary monsters. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so let's just talk about the art while we start out here. Mark Bagley is so weird to me because I was intensely looking bagging on bagley returns <laughs> yeah if you listen to my ultimate year bagging on bagley's a regular segment over there no I, i've come to mostly like uh like appreciate a lot of what he does especially his like superhero work like or his like work drawing action and costumed heroes and uh it's funny because are there I'm some like, like uh are there some real indie <laughs> some real indie bagley stuff like no i meant like stuff? i meant compared to like his faces <laughs> specifically uh-huh. like you know, when he's drawing, like, people talking, I'm like, okay, at this point, I'm like, okay, it's fine, it works. But I think where he excels is, like, Spider-Man whizzing through the air. I think he has a really distinct style Costume, of drawing. superhero action, yeah. It, exactly, yeah. I don't see any of that here. It's so weird to see an artist start out, and it's just, like, his style is nowhere near what I what's going to be later. And sense, I was though. looking for it. Like, yeah, no, sure. I mean, some yeah, people evolve, whatever. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes people evolve, and sometimes people show up, and they just, like, are who they are. But yeah, most most people we've well, seen. I like, think this is a thing we kind of glossed Kevitz, over, actually. Miller, yeah. See, but Bill Sienkiewicz absolutely is not who we think of when we that, think of New Mutants and Daredevil. Right, right, is that well, what you're saying? You're that's saying what I'm saying. It's like initially, remember yeah, yeah. his like Moon Knight stuff was like very yeah. like everyone kind of starts. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people. Most people probably start a little house style. I mean, that would be an interesting, yeah. an interesting bit of analysis to go back, and I'd be curious what people's thoughts are in terms of like who are the artists who come in most fully formed you know because like and and this is a thing that we're maybe maybe glancing by a little bit with like our conversations around jim lee for example on x-men and the fact that like 1989 uncanny x-men jim lee is not the same as 1991 x-men number one jim lee like even in that two month progression or that two year progression right i mean i think that's why like early on jim lee i was kind of like uh doesn't really work for me in this what last episode two episodes ago i loved it mm-hmm. i was crazy about it you know like he he has so clearly progressed into come into his own in that little amount of time um, yeah, it'll I be mean, interesting Bagley, just to see you can Bagley see these change. hints yeah. you can see hints I, of what ultimate spider-man I, will be i don't see the hints that's the thing is like his spite his ultimate spider-man is so distinct and we've read in my ultimate year like 112 115 issues of that so like i know what it looks like at this point i don't see it at all it's so strange I see uh, it in his facial I... expressions every so often. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe less in his Spider-Man at this point. But yeah, I mean, it is eight, eight years later, and sure. uh, techniques and, like, digital coloring, <laughs> like, so many things evolve in that span, yeah. you know? Well, and um, also, it'd be, where, I'd yeah, be interested to see, does he draw Spider-Man later in the 90s? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's on some big Spider-Man stuff. 
Bagley, Bagley's been so tied to Spider-Man for such a long time, it's wild. I mean, the last 30 years, you know, is, is he is heavily integrated into the some of the biggest moments of, of okay, Spider-Man, so my, both my 616 is, and Ultimate Universe. Later, once he is doing the Ultimate Spider-Man, around mm-hmm. that time period, does his 616 Spider-Man, his mainline universe Spider-Man, look like it does now, or does it look like the Ultimate version? Like, uh, he's not. Does, does I mean, he have he's a not distinct on, version for? Does he have a mainline versus an ultimate? I mean, he's not on mainline at the same time. So, like, you'd be comparing 1993's Mark Bagley Spider-Man versus 2001's Ultimate version. Um, I mean, the Ultimate version looks younger, as he should, um, a little more slender, a little more gangly. But you know, here it's kind of. I, I don't know that it'd be. It would be super remarkable if you didn't know. Like, he's going to go on to define the character for the Ultimate Universe. Visually. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's all I've seen of him really, I think. So, uh it'll be it'll be interesting to see him progress. But right now, I kind of think he's a little underwhelming. Uh, I mean, he's fine. certainly compared to Eric Larson, like who is one of yeah. the image founders, right? One of the one of the guys who's going to join them and and do Savage Dragon forever at Image still going. Um he mm-hmm. comes in with his art and it's like, yeah, that's the that's the good stuff that you're looking for if you're a fan of Marvel at this point, right? Like of mm-hmm. these up-and-comers who are just, like, gunning for it. Bagley, yeah, Bagley's more uh, owed to the past, I suppose, if we didn't, if as we didn't know, Larson. If we didn't know his name, I probably wouldn't have noted the art. I would have... It, it, and it's not bad enough that I would have noted the art either. It's just kind of fine. Like, it works fine. Yeah, no, um, it totally works. Yeah, um, it totally works. Yeah, it's okay. I, and, and, yeah. Like, he's on... Uh, Bagley's with Fabian Nicieza on New Warriors right now. That's the series mm-hmm. that you know, we read a little bit of. Um, but same thing. It's not that visually kinetic, like this is what everybody's looking for, this is going to blow up in shops kind of thing, which is, you know, that style over substance thing like we've talked about. I, I will say here, it's a you lot know, to the style over here. substance yeah. credit, Larson is not, he's stylistic and his Venom certainly stands out in his approach. There's plenty of substance to this story. It's not just like a visual mess. It's actually very comprehensible. Um, and the story's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward, right? Venom returns, yeah. Yeah. he breaks out of prison, we get the, uh, I guess... I guess I won't spoil it if you're really reading along with us and have not consumed media. I have not consumed Spider-Man media for 30 years. But um, he breaks out of prison. We meet his his prison cellmate, Cletus Cassidy. There's a little mm-hmm. foreshadowing yeah. with him getting a little symbiote, getting a little symbiote on him. Yeah, as that's Venom runs away. Like winking at something, sure. Yep, that's that's going to be something. Uh, but Venom breaks out, and then he terrorizes Spider-Man. And it's kind of the problem, one of the biggest problems you have with venom in this era i think post 300 because we haven't seen him that much so it's not like a huge overexposure thing you know but like in the club like we read most of his appearances because they tend to be the most interesting things in spider-man and one of the challenges you have is you have this situation where spider-man can't detect him right he can't detect eddie brock in the symbiote his spider sense doesn't work smart 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 wrinkle to add to this villain like it's it's a good upping of the like the tension specifically for this villain it is but you can only do that you can only have eddie brock show up at aunt may's door so many times mm-hmm. before yeah. it's really yeah, tired yeah. and i think they kind of are feeling that pressure already here because what they have to do is they have the spider-man and venom chase each other through the city thing but then in 347 it's like actually we got to take spider-man to a death island and <laughs> just have yeah. venom be hunting him you know man is the most dangerous game kind of thing and it's actually a pretty clever wrinkle it's because good. it changes the game yeah. and it's you feel you feel Peter Parker's kind of fear, and you feel his like the fact that he can't get out of this successfully. He can't beat Venom actually. 
like in a fight. Well, because that's kind of he doesn't want to Spidey. <laughs> it, it's very funny because he doesn't want to kill him. Obviously, right? Like killing him's off the table because it's Spider Man. So he just he he comes up with this really contrived plot. <laughs> Until, like, he learns about a science lab that's cryogenically freezing people. And that's how Eddie Brock... The whole thing is a plot for Eddie Brock to actually freeze him and ship him to this island. Which, again, you could just tie him up, you know? But, um... <laughs> it's it's very funny. Peter Parker's plan is like, Alright, well, I have to do something about him. Maybe I'll cryogenically freeze him and then I'll ship him to the Arctic and just leave him in the snow. And it's like, well, it's kind of <laughs> just killing someone, Peter. Right? Like, yeah, you right. can't just, like free someone in an ice block and stick the you know like captain america somebody like that's <laughs> i do like that superhero logic of like there's no killing but i will absolutely them submit in a them to the an rest endless of torment like, right, of, of yeah. a living co- of a conscious awareness that they cannot move or feel <laughs> yeah. anything yeah like that's better um no yeah. you're right like it's it's a little complicated in that regard i mean i think um Venom's motivations are so simple; it just makes everything very straightforward it's and kind of boring fun. at this he point. Just, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I need it is. More they're from they're him. adding, like, they're yeah. adding that layer, or maybe it's already been added and they're just expanding. But that layer of like he kind of protects people who don't deserve to get harmed. Right? We're getting that a little bit of that. He like except that he, he kills he kills someone. Who is it? Um, he kills someone right away accidentally. Like he's choking them to get some information. Then he's just like. Oops. Well, hopefully I won't kill too many other people on my way to what I need to do. Like, oh, he's still he's still then, a big old capital B bad guy. Yeah. But he also like if he sees someone getting mugged in an alley now, he's like, I'll kill those other people doing it. He's he's mm-hmm. punishery. Yeah, I guess, yeah right. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got. Yeah, his, I, I wish that was a little protection thing. Yeah, I, I it's think not the a lot focus of, that, of this arc. But and, and you probably, I, I feel like you wouldn't notice that unless you kind of know his arc. You know, otherwise, because it's not that oh, strong no, it's, here. It's but pretty, it's pretty clear yeah. in the in the little subplots where they toss it in. I mean, I, I know like Spider Man rescues that guy, and then Venom, you know, kind of bats him aside to like to save him. But um, yeah, it's 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 fine. I I think this this is just doing the Spider Man problem of just like, hey, these are Spider Man comics, and you kind of know what they are. And like, I don't Michelini is just not expanding Peter Parker much as a character. It's still just like playing the hits of like. Oh, it's a bummer I have to be Spider-Man. I walk down the streets with my my head hanging low. I'm still just kind of, like, sad about things, and I have to protect the ones I love, and I don't get to spend time with Aunt May, and I'm lying to... You know, it's 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 that, but, like, also without... There's, there's not a huge lot of, like, zing and pop with his, like, secondary characters. Um, like, uh, the Felicia Flash Thompson subplot I can't get into. What I do like is uh, Aunt May is dating Willie... What is it? Willie uh, Tompkins? Pa- Willie Lumpkin. Lumpkin, the the mailman from like the Fantastic Four sixties Fantastic Four yeah. comics, yeah. um, and the line where like the two Peter Parker and Willie have a conversation about like Peter Parker's like you know my my aunt had her heart broken and like and Willie's like yeah your uncle Ben died and then the last guy she was dating Nathan whatever uh, <clears throat> uh died recently Lipinski, and, I think you know. I, I understand all that, and I'll treat your aunt well. And Peter's like, "Are you trying to say that you have honorable intentions with my aunt?" And he's just like, "No, but I'll, I won't break her heart." Just, <laughs> just like, yeah. just being. Willie, like, Willie's comes off pretty well here. I do definitely enjoy that. And and the the Venom Island stuff is clearly the the high mark here because I think it is just like, oh, here's something fresh. We haven't seen this before. Like Peter yeah, wasn't bit. around, you know, a, an abandoned desert island, and uh, you know, Venom setting up traps for him. Um, a few weird things about Venom. Venom has camouflage? I did not know that. Yeah, his power that... set develops uh, kind of 
oddly here. Like, the symbiote, it definitely, it kind of has that early, like, Mjolnir thing of, like, what can't it do? You know, yeah, it's not sure, quite that sure, extreme, sure. Uh, but definitely just sort of adds stuff. And it's alien tech, so it can do kind of whatever whatever the user needs it to. Um, but it doesn't go too off the rails. I, I think these are good. If you like Venom, they're probably pretty important. Um, again, yeah. I think I've... Again, I, I just consistently have that Spider-Man thing of, like, I just... I don't know. Like, I wish I was more into it for being a character I like so much. Yeah. Um, but I can yeah, still yeah, recognize, I like, there's good art here. There's good it's good, solid meat and potatoes, Spidey yeah. stuff, maybe a little Pretty. more so. Um, nothing crazy special, I guess. Uh, I don't feel that way, at least. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally there with you. So um, speaking uh, of crazy special, let's talk about some Fantastic oh. Four. So we got yeah. Fantastic Four. What did we actually read? <laughs> 347 to 352? Uh, yeah, skipping 351, yes. We skipped 351, technically. I, I yeah. saved you there. You would have hated 351. Um, yeah, thank so, you. All right, so what that was. 347 to 349, those must be, that's the Walt Simonson written and not drawn, because we have Art Adams here yes. doing art. Uh, this is the world's weirdest Fantastic Four. So we have the Fantastic Four are, uh, you know, basically taken out of commission by invading Skrull forces, and uh, what, we one, get wait, a wait, new we, Fantastic Four. This is the best part of the entire run for me, is the, the this scroll, And it's a single scroll. It's a scroll like rebel renegade, renegade who ran mm-hmm. off and is uh, like eliminating the Fantastic Four, like getting them out of commission one by one. And it's this lady scroll named like, it's not Delilah, but it's, it's something similar. I think it is Delilah. Uh, yeah, well, it's spelled in like an alien way. But yeah, something like that. Uh, and, <laughs> and she's sneaking around basically being the love interest for each of the Fantastic Four and then just giving them a good old brain zap. Yeah. Um, which I really, I, I really like this mainly because <laughs> Johnny Storm. I like, I like that it is just being really canonized here that Johnny Storm just has a problem with like meeting weird alien girls and immediately falling in love with them. Yeah, like, that's true. beyond all reason, this is the third time that it has happened. It yeah. happened with Crystal. Remember, he meets Crystal immediately. Is just like my life is incomplete without her. And then mm-hmm. he met uh, the girl during Secret Wars. <laughs> when you say when you say meets too, that's a generous way to describe like, saw a girl running down an alley. <laughs> that's not <laughs> no. a meeting in most circumstances. But one hundred percent, you're right. Yeah. Stop! You're too beautiful to hide that smile, baby. As he chases her like into an alley. <laughs> yeah. Who wouldn't? An absolute mon- monster. Um. Yeah. The the girl from Secret Wars, right? That he him and Colossus were pining after. And then yeah, uh-huh. he's apparently just, like he's married to Alicia at this point, and he's like, "I met Nebula, and I just can't get her off my mind." Which, like, fair. Nebula's mm-hmm. pretty cool, but like, yeah, she's also with... that's kind of Nebula's thing, which Simonson is continuing here because she also gets Doctor Druid under her thumb in Avengers by just like mm-hmm. totally yeah. seducing him. You know, I yeah. there's some sort of I don't. Is it just because she's such a babe, or is there some sort of mental control? I I definitely read it as the latter. Um, but combined with the former, tough combo, right? Yeah. Mental control I, I and the, the babe. What are you gonna that's do? That's true. I for, I forgot that um, Simonson wrote those other Fantastic Four with the uh, with Nebula and Doctor Druid. Oh no, he yeah, was no, Avengers he's at he's that definitely continuing. Right. right, he's it's in Avengers. Yeah. He's definitely yeah, continuing yeah. his own little storyline there. But yeah, you're right. Johnny has a thing for and alien then, women. Yeah, Absolutely. and then uh, and this this scroll pretends to be Alicia to knock out Ben. Uh, which is, you know, like, I actually like that scene. I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Like, what if Alicia, at this point, came on to Ben, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who clearly 
I, you know, probably still holds a candle for her. What if um, that horrible plot had never happened? That's right, exactly. Ask. You know, and he he's very like uh, respectful and honorable about it as she like throws herself at him. Um, and then Sue Storm. This is the best one for me. Well, I don't know. It's hard because I like I like the Johnny Storm one, but then she becomes Namor, which I another plot point that I love. I love the the like Namor just always being in the you know the shadows of their relationship it's it's so good that he's just like the well, it's also Storm. like it's pretty well known that like yeah no i know if it's, sue I mean, if like sue is gonna get hot and heavy yeah. it's gonna be with namor <laughs> like right. it's just she's like who should i look like should i look like reed nope <laughs> yeah <laughs> Not gonna be exactly him. you know great. and everybody just kind of knows that uh yeah it I, and it's just one of those things that could have been like a weird little bit of 60s trivia you know like oh fantastic four number three namor tried to marry sue no, no, that's consistent. And that's it. Yeah. But no, it like it just keeps going and I think I think it's a fun, you know, like actual relationship that's been built up. And then uh, you know, she becomes Sue to like get at Reed. Um and then she says something a couple times, the scroll, she talks about how like, ah, oh, too bad that Reed figured out that I was not actually Sue because we could have had some fun first. Like this this Reed mm-hmm. Richards guy is pretty hot. Like she's very <laughs> she's very turned on by Reed Richards. It's just I do love, I do find a, it's very comical attempts, because a lot of, I think a lot of writers fall for the trap of, I'm writing Fantastic Four, that means I'm writing a Reed Richards book, Um, and sometimes it's, it's for better and sometimes it's for worse, Uh, but definitely the trap of then also being like, and he's a hunk, and he's smart, (laughs) that's especially goofy, because he doesn't need to be that at all, he's the smartest person in the Marvel Universe, like, have him be gangly and and cold and calculating. That's yeah, that's one of the that that's one of the things about Ultimate Fantastic Four that falls the flattest is just like you don't buy <laughs> that Sue is so horny for for Reed all the time. Anyway, she brings this up twice that she was just like, I wish he didn't find out because I would have had some real fun with him first, which is gross and like sexual assault. But then the second time, Reed is conscious here and he's thinking to himself like, I'm really attracted to this woman. Part of it is that she looks exactly like Sue who's beautiful but part of it is she's just got a a danger to her or something and it's so weird it's like literally this woman just gave him a zap and is like kidnapping him and <laughs> commission put his whole family out of commission and reed is just like something so alluring about this woman it's a classic um, scroll home syndrome right it happens to most ooh, of us that's pretty good Good, yeah, good no, pun, it's yeah. it's just it's well known. It's diagnosed. Uh, but yeah, okay. So you're you're giving a lot of information here that is defined. I don't need to go into detail about the rest. That I this just, is a I fantastic really four comic <laughs> about yeah. the Hulk, Wolverine, mm-hmm. Spider Man, and Ghost Rider all coming in as a substitute Fantastic Four to save the day. It is winkingly, tongue in cheekingly, knowingly, gratuitously trying to boost sales with the appearances of these characters it's right there on the covers it's great it's super fun and what makes it especially fun is the fact that you got art adams doing pencils i like walt simonson's art we're going to talk about you know the issues that he does draw in a moment and there's some really good stuff that i'm going to highlight but art adams doing these books is they they would not be as memorable if he was not on these books um i don't think it would be even close honestly I love his scrolls, like his facial expressions Incredible, on scrolls, yeah, scrolls are, are really amazing. And just the way he designs, like like literally every character here, but just like, yeah, brings in Ghost Rider, Grey Hulk, Wolvie, Spidey, and they all, because these are characters we don't get to see him do a lot of. We've seen him do Wolvie 
in with his X-Men work with Chris Claremont, right, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we haven't seen his take on so many of these characters. Uh, the Thing, for example. And uh, it's good. And it's fun. And, like, and they have such a winking fun with it, you know, to the point where in 349, they tease a Punisher cameo on the cover. And then it's just a total throwaway gag at the end of the comic. That's fun, uh, just sort of self-aware stuff that I definitely am here for. Um, the story itself I, is not the most... It, it wouldn't be that special if it was just straight up a Fantastic Four comic. You know Can what I mean? Can I talk about Art Adams before you jump into the Yeah, story? yeah, please. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I love I love his art. Like, I'm always excited when he's on something because I think he's a good storyteller and his style is so appealing. It's so charming. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, I think last time we saw him, um, I think I compared it to manga. It's like kind of manga-esque um, mm-hmm. just in the way he draws characters and i i think i figured out besides like drawing big eyes i think that's the the immediate thing what i realized this time is that he's not afraid to go off model which is something that i think a lot of marvel does not do like his characters will get you know their expressions will get huge their mouths will get you know almost as big as the rest of their face um when he wants to express real shock right like and that's something that i think is very common in manga um and not that that's a smart way of putting American it. I hadn't, comics, I hadn't yeah. thought to call it off model because that's what Eric Larson's doing with Venom, right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that right. sort of style. I've been saying, you know, it's style, putting their own style onto a character. But yeah, that that ability to say like, listen, I know you have a design for yeah. what this character yeah, yeah. is supposed to look like, but my version is going to be different. That is, it, it's not. It doesn't always work. Like we talked in Extinction Agenda about how all three artists have different visions of who Cameron Hodge is mm-hmm. when you're doing yeah. a crossover yeah. event. That's kind of weird. Um, but like in in this sort of scenario, yeah, it definitely works. Uh, and Adams really elevates these three issues. I don't know. Like y- you probably haven't read these before. Um, I think they're they're fun in memory because of the creative unit involved and because of the fact that it's kind of a – it's almost like a trivia point. Like, oh, that time these four guys were Fantastic mm-hmm. Four members. <clears throat> Beyond yeah. that, I, I don't know that I'm actually like – I gotta know what happens next. Really, no, at any given no. moment, they're, you know they're kind of they're kind of fun, but they don't feel like I, I'm not that into the story. I uh, I think when I was reading this, <clears throat> um, I mostly was just like, oh, Walt Simonson really just wanted to do. He wanted to play around with Spider Man and Ghost Rider and Wolverine, and I guess like you're saying, like editorial, you know, trying to like boost the sales of those. I mean, I guess, but except Spider Man, you're trying to boost Spider Man with a Fantastic Four comic. That seems no, odd it's, to me. it's the other I, way around. Oh, oh, we're trying to boost Fantastic... Ah, that makes sense. I guess... Well, <laughs> yeah. but that doesn't make sense in, like, bringing Ghost Rider, unless Ghost Rider was somehow doing great. No, Ghost know. Rider's already hot. Like, that's the thing. Oh, it's like, we're weird, already in mid-1991. Okay. Ghost Rider series comes out with the bang. Um, Grey Hulk's doing... I mean, Wolvie and Spidey are obviously more... Uh, but then you get the trinity yeah. of, with the Punisher thing, you get Ghost Rider... Punisher, yeah, Wolvie. Right. Like, that's, yeah. that's the okay. 90s in a nutshell. And Spider-Man, I mean, like, we're coming off Todd McFarlane's... And Spider-Man oh, number one yeah, is the best-selling so comic of all time yeah. to this yeah, point. Yeah, of course. Yeah, And so. Wolverine, obviously. Um, Yeah, so, like, I, I think it's one of those things that sometimes this would grate on me, the kind of, like, obvious, like, oh, we're just going to do a crossover because it's like, why are you even doing Fantastic Four if it's these four characters? Like, it's not the Fantastic Four anymore. Um, But when it's this fun, it's fine. You know, it's kind of one of those things, like, oh, I hate this trope unless it's done well, and then it's fine. Um, I think that's the thing I really like about Simonson as a creator in the Marvel Universe is hmm. there's almost always a sense of playfulness and a sense of fun. And I think sometimes that can yeah. be... And Louis Simonson kind of has a similar tone as well. You know, you can kind of see, like, some of those sensibilities overlapping in terms sometimes of how they I, I see it communicate Walt, story. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Wall, for sure. Like, yeah. this is Thor, too. Like, right yeah. off the bat, like, he's making gags about... 
um, you know, Superman and his the goofiness of his secret identity. And just yeah. like there's a there's a very earnest, almost old fashioned playfulness. And yeah. uh, and it comes through in his Fantastic Four. And I, I actually quite enjoy that. Um, it, it, it's, it's like it's so not... hit or miss for me, but it is always there. Like sometimes it lands really well. And then sometimes I'm like, ah, fun idea. Didn't do much. But like, yeah, totally. That is like a fun through line that I don't sure. think I would have picked up on. So I think that's, that's a really good point. Now, tying back to what you were saying a moment ago about, you know, Reed Richards being such a hunk, he that does tie into basically how he <laughs> gets the family out of this scenario, <laughs> yeah, which yeah, is yeah. he he seemingly is totally under the thrall of Delilah. Um, and he's like, hey there, Delilah. And he Boo. goes in for a big old smooch, goes in for a big old, and everyone's like, no, he's he's smooching a scrawl. And uh, who looks like Sue in, in his mind or, or mm-hmm. so everyone thinks uh but reed f- did a fake out make out it's a mm-hmm. classic fake out make out and he knew that uh that delilah was the scroll the whole time and actually he just uh tricked her and <laughs> therefore the and Medestor to- get out of there oh also by the way they're in the mole man's domain during most of this yeah uh, let's not even get into all there. that in the politics yeah. of the scroll there is a really there's one other scene i wanted to point out which is um the new Fantastic Four show up and they start talking about how, like, the, the scrolls are there. They find the scrolls are there and they realize that some of them are hidden around, right? And, uh, and they just start, like, Hulk and Wolverine just start chopping up and smashing rocks, trying to, uh, like, basically knowing that there's a scroll here and just, uh, like, oh, I better sharpen my claws on this rock, and yeah. I'm just gonna practice my punching on this rock until the scroll, like, burst out from his boulder form. So it's yeah. a good moment. Good gag, um, good gag. So, we do so also we have uh, to... the excuse, being in the Mole Man's domain, that Art Adams gets to draw a bunch of monsters as well. Yeah, oh, in like Monster Island. Enough. The scrolls land on Monster Island, which, again, is just fun art because you get to see his interpretation yeah. of all the monsters. Yeah. Yeah, always that, a good that, time. That moves us to Fantastic Four 350, which is a big Doom issue. Doom's back. So you must Big be old happy. Doom issue, baby. You, you happy? You, you glad Doom's back? I, I'm very glad, and I'm very glad because, Zach, specifically... Mm-hmm. These two comics are, they're definitely my favorite comics of the Walt Simonson run on Fantastic Four. Hmm. They are, 352 in particular, probably my favorite Fantastic Four, or excuse me, my favorite Reed Richards Doctor Doom fight of all time. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. There's <clears throat> one that there's one that holds a candle to it. There's one, and we, we have, we'll get there for a long time. But 352 is amazing. I uh, think- 350... Is what do you think about Doctor Doom's costume? What do you think about the green cape in the all sort of white silver robotic design? I kind of uh, dig it. It's not really? as good as the classic, but I kind of enjoy it. It's okay. I, I don't think it, it's. I'm totally sold on it, but it's okay. Like it's it's fine. I don't I don't have that strong of a reaction. Um, I I think I like these ones. Like I think they're fine. I I think this is okay. Like again, I'm not super responsive to his art. Um. But I, I think Did you okay. read 350? Well, okay. Hang on. I read 350 and 352. I think I like these two. You a think lot. 352 is fine? I just don't see. Uh, that feels like a love it or hate it comic to me. Middle of the road opinion on that? Very No, close. no, it's good. No, I, I think it's good. I was talking about his art, which is like. Okay. I, we, we shift back to his art, and I thought it was okay. I A big part of what I like about these, I, I like the time variance authority. I think that's a fun, like, ring. Yeah, we got to gotta dive into that a little. Let's yeah, save we, that for the we end, will. I think. But what I really like about this is it kind of. Is this the end of Walt Simonson's run? No. He, he okay. goes for a few more issues, which is it, part it, of what we'll talk about. Okay, it almost feels like it because it feels like him... It's like him undoing some of the 
changes that he's made, right? And well, like, we're coming to it. We're coming to, to a close. Right? We don't okay. have a lot of issues left. We're yeah. like moving back to status quo, specifically with she thing, um, which is like one of my biggest complaints about this run is. Uh, well, she thing she... doesn't start here. She's been around for longer than than Simonson. Oh well. Goes back oh to, like, okay. The I... era. Yeah. Okay. I th- I feel like we just started reading her during his run. Maybe we just skipped a lot. No, Sharon Venture um, has been around for a minute as she thing, and I think the. The use of, you know, the big milestone 350 issue, mm-hmm. literally on the cover, it says, here comes the thing. Like, yeah. we, we've been waiting for Ben Grimm to be a thing for yeah. years at this point. And, and I like I like the way that it plays out, you know, about, like, a character I haven't felt that much about so far. Uh, Sharon it, or it, Ben? Sharon, Sharon. And okay. Ben, actually, because, like, How dare you? Ben, ben Grimm as not the thing. Ben Grimm as human, you know, we've talked about it, but it just, it doesn't... Mm work for me like he, he is not you know like that is definitely one character i don't want to see happy <laughs> it's it's not As even ben, that because it's it just that he work. doesn't it's just that he doesn't have stuff to do you know it's just like he he's he feels so forced in the comic because it's just like he's really just on these you know cosmic quests and so you just kind of have to relegate him to the back seat because he's just a guy well you and... constantly put him in a thing suit you you make ben Grimm iron man you yeah know, which when you when you de really him, lazy and then he just wears around thing armor and he's just not as entertaining that way. It, I I never buy into it as much. Even though, yeah. like, pragmatically, it could totally work, right? Like, why couldn't Reed develop armor nearly as sophisticated as Tony's and have Ben wear that, right? And be Ben all the time. It could happen. Uh, yeah. It just that the story doesn't, it, the character doesn't have the same heft. So, yeah, I think getting him back to being the thing with some rationale in a giant Doctor Doom story uh, is is a pretty smart way to do it, and it makes these issues important in terms of continuity, and also I I think very entertaining. Um, because you know they're like they're everything I look for in a Fantastic Four story in a lot of ways. You know, you got good Doom stuff, you got battles in Lavaria, you got the real team coming back with Ben, and I I don't know. I feel like probably I feel like there's some you know reader out there who could make like a really good case for like Sharon Ventura that we're missing. You know, because like the general idea of like. This I think the problem is it's something we see a lot with legacy characters where it's a have your cake and eat it too attempt where they're like cool new thing it's Sharon Ventura and also Ben's here and he's not going to leave and he's always going to be around doing and, the exact same things and she's not really that different than Ben right she's also just like I'm trapped in this body and I'm mad at Reed Richards for not being able to fix me and yeah. I'm going to go find my own solution, you know, and she's just kind of moping around about being stuck as the thing, you know, like in a way that She-Hulk has avoided that by being like, hell yeah, love being the Hulk. This rules, right? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and just reveling in it. Right. Which is the way to do it. Because if She-Hulk was also just like a, a miserable, miserly person who's just like at constantly at war with herself, that'd be a really boring take on She-Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And, and the thing that sets her apart. So like. This 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 undoes it, and I think in a clever way, which is like I, I like Doom doing the stuff that Reed can't. I think that's always really fun. And like anytime Doom offers to fix the thing because it's the one problem Reed can't, yeah, I love it. I love yeah. it. It's super yeah, yeah. petty, but it's also like it's kind of like we see in that X Men miniseries where he's like, "Oh, Reed can't do it. I'll fix Kitty Pride. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I can step in and do that. I love that motivation for him. Um, and it gets you exactly what you need." Which is Sharon Ventura is no longer you know Miss Thing or She Thing or or whatever or Miss Marvel. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Miss Marvel. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. wild. Um, okay, so the, the other thing it does is it gets rid of all the like the fake Doom stuff, um, which is Kinda. good because well, yeah, Kinda. right. There, so like as much Christoph, as you can, right? Christoph Vernard 
is like the fake Doom who thinks he's the real Doom. And then there's like a bunch of Doom bots. And he's a, he's a clone who Doom in, intended okay. to clone as his son. Right. Yes. 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 Right. Yeah. I think. That, well, except that he had a. But real now he son, thinks right? he's the real Doctor Doom. And oh, he has for some yeah. time. Yeah, and then that gets undone. Like he he comes to his senses, and then uh, Doom like. Which it's gonna be weird when my kids get of age, when they start thinking uh-huh. they're the real me. You know, because it's not something you have to worry about when your kids age up in real time until they're of age. Yep. And then once they're like, once they're like in their 20s and I'm, you know, in my 50s, but still look exactly like I did when I was in my 20s, you know, sort of peak physical perfection as well. It's going to be really complicated. <laughs> did you think at, it with my intro this week, were you thinking that I was referencing this or the Thor thing? Uh, the Thor, for sure. Those oh, were good. all okay. of my comments were Thor-based. <laughs> yeah, I figured, but like, okay, yeah. I, I forgot about that. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I was just like, I was just now realizing that it kind of applies to... Similar ideas, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, clone of yourself who's who thinks he's you. Um, all right, so where, where does this go? The The Fantastic Four show up. They, they think that Sharon has been, like, kidnapped by Doom. She goes to Doom to get healed or cured. Mm-hmm. And then the Fantastic Four show up. Ben, meantime, feels so bad that Sharon is so isolated that he gifted the Magi's... <laughs> <laughs> right so like uh while sharon is off getting cured of her thingness ben goes into reed's lab and just starts bombarding himself with cosmic rays yeah. um which it's just a funny idea where it's just like you know well clearly like every time i mean it would just be funny if he does that and then you know gets uh the power to talk to dolphins or something right like something completely unrelated <laughs> Right, like, it actually would have been kind of a fun twist if he did get a different power this If time. you really built but, it up no so dice. that it was so clear what was happening, you know, yeah. like, yeah, he's going to do the cosmic rays and give himself powers again, and then he just... Or if he just gets Johnny Storm's powers and there's two <laughs> fiery guys. Um, yeah, anyway. So he becomes the thing to keep Sharon company while she undoes it in Latveria, which is clever. That's a fun, fun way to do that. Yeah, and that's and that's what you needed. You needed to mm-hmm. okay, we've got the situation where we have too many things. What do we do? This solves for that. And then we progress to, of course, the showdown in Latveria. Um, the cover for 352, I love it. Good old Simonson it's art. Good. It's got Reed Richards charging forward with the blast behind him, and it's got the clock on the screen, which is going to be the recurring craft motif throughout this issue, where we have Reed Richards and Doctor Doom with time devices where they're both wearing on the wrist, they have a fight through time, but it doesn't mm-hmm. occur chronologically. Zach, this is a comic that if it came out today, I would buy two issues. One to store, one to cut out all the battles between Reed oh. and Doom and paste them together chronologically so I could read them in the order that they actually occur in time. I love, love this design. I love this style. I love the thinking. It's so clever. It's so unique. We don't see this in superhero comics, in time travel stuff. And and what it also does is it pits this time travel battle in like the right rail, like the right side of the comic, against Ben in real time, sort of trying to find his way out of Latveria. It's basically telling two separate stories on every page, and it's a little confusing. It's a little disorienting on first read, I think, but that also means you have a lot more time and attention you can possibly dig into it. This comic rules. This is one of my favorite Fantastic Four issues of all time. It's one of my favorite Simonson comics. And like I said, it's my favorite Reed Richards and Doctor Doom battle for all of the reasons I described. If this was just pages of them slugging each other in sequence, because, yeah, because the actual yeah the actual fight <clears throat> and the visuals of the fight are not that interesting on like a panel They're toned by panel down. basis. They're muted almost intentionally. Yeah, but well, I mean, and he does this thing where like one of the panels in the different time is all black and white. 
right? Which is a good mm-hmm. look, but like like the actual panels of like Reed punching Doom, Doom punching Reed don't look that good, and they're not like fun dynamic. I mean, they're fine. Like they're they're not great, but like no. You're but saying, if you like if, zoomed if in was... in isolation, it'd be right. like, oh, that's not that cool. Which yeah. is you know usually my kind of issue with his action, but like the conceit here really does save that. Like you're saying, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think I responded quite as strongly, but like, I, I do agree with everything you're saying. I think it like just works, and I think the the idea is really clever. And especially with time travel, which can be like confusing in a bad way. This is like confusing in the best way, where you feel like you want to keep like keep reading to get to the end of the thread where it all pulls together, and it does. It pulls together. Th- in a good yeah, way. yeah. I think the confusion part of it too is like it doesn't actually matter. Yeah, if you right. Understand exactly. Yes. What happens at each time? It's a fun yeah. puzzle to potentially pull together if you love yeah. it like I do. But it doesn't actually matter because it still plays out like a comic book fight. By yeah. we start one way, and by the end of it, Reed has to trick Doom and defeat him. You know, in the same way as he has since Dan and Jack, right? So it's th- that piece of it I think is so smart too, because like it does. It's not like it extends over the course of like five issues. It's just this comic, and then it's done. Um, and it's brilliant. And then so this issue ends with the, not the debut, but the appearance of the Time Variance Authority, okay? We have the TVA, we have Justice Peace, who is a very clear Judge Dredd analog, shows up. This character actually debuted in Simonson's Thor, uh, in issues I don't believe we read as part of the Mime World this year club. The Time Variance Authority. Zach, this is going to be an interesting one, because they... I would not have said they were that interesting. It's kind of a fun little one-off thing that Simonson did, except for the fact that they're going to be major players in Disney Plus Loki. So the timing yeah. on this, which comes this summer, I think it's in June on Disney Plus. Um, so so by the time when this episode comes out, you know this, <coughs> the show will be approaching, and people the the interest in the TVA will be greater than ever. Uh, these comics are perfect to give you that because then if you read the yeah. next two issues, it's basically the Fantastic Four verse the Time Variance Authority. Okay, so if you, we're not reading them as part of the club because I was not that prepared for Loki to go this all in on the TVA. Uh, but if you're curious yourself, definitely continue with the next two issues to dive in. Zach, do you care to dig into the TVA? Like, are you like, man, I, w- I want to know about the Time Variance Authority? Or are you just kind of like, I get it, I think. No, it's fun when they pop in, but no, not particularly. You know, I, I think you like this more than I do. Multiverse stories are not like, they usually don't tickle me that much. Um, no, TVA is not... Nessa, no, that, it's I mean, not quite a multiverse. I mean, no, they manage like, they manage the omniverse, like they oversee it. Yeah. So what they do is based. They're like kind of literally like the keepers of continuity. Like right, they even yes. use this yeah, yeah. word. And then Mobius M. Mobius, who becomes one of the most well-known members of the TVA in the next couple issues, he is designed to look exactly like Mark Grunewald, who in this era is you know a writer and editor who's super well known at Marvel for having like a very keen grasp of Marvel continuity. Okay. So like, that's kind of their thing, but it's also protecting the timeline, right? So it's, it's this, it's this metafictional idea of Marvel continuity and keeping that straight, but then the in universe fictional idea of keeping the time stream straight. And they do try to do that across earth one, six and the multiverse. They're not, they're not like at the heart of like, you know, crisis on infinite earth style stories though. They're, they're very bureaucratic. They're very business-like. It's just like going to an office place when you go to the TVA, except they're in null time and they're overseeing all of time in the, in the null universe. void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they're fun and it does a good job of not winking too strongly at like, hey, this is a way of fixing our continuity. You know, this is a way of like mm-hmm. ironing out all of our problems. And it um, also like, and not to, I won't spoil anything, but like, they don't 
they don't come up that often. Like the yeah, TBA I mean, has a very you know. limited history. And actually, there's a lot of situations. I was thinking about this. There's a lot of situations in Marvel stories, like throughout the 2000s, where it's weird the TVA never showed up. Like it's weird that there was never like this little one shot or a little winking nod to them being present. Um, I, I bet they'll be more present now that they're going to get MCU focus. But there, you could read every TVA appearance um, as I'm doing currently and do it in a weekend. <laughs> it's not hard. Oh, weird. That that is strange because they they feel yeah. like they could be, you know like ripe for r- really inserting into like any kind of big event that deals with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Time travel stuff. <clears throat> time travel stuff is usually just feels like multiverse stuff with me. And it has the same problem that a lot of multiverse stuff has, unless it like wants to really spend time in the other places, either the other times or the other worlds where I don't care about it because I'm not actually invested in them as worlds. They're just kind of like almost abstract ideas. Right. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how I, that's why I'm not, not like, yeah, time variance authority, but like, I like them here. So I, I, uh, that's the thing though, is like, I don't think most readers responded like that. <laughs> like the only reason they're exciting and interesting in this moment is because all of a sudden they're going to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they're going to yeah. have millions of eyeballs on them. Um, yeah. which I think is fair to say, but they are, they're a fun Simonson and he co-created them because there's an artist involved as well, but they're, they're a fun Simonson creation. So, yeah. all right, enough about Fantastic Four. Uh, let's talk about Thor wrap things up with 432 to 433 this is technically this is technically the 350th appearance giant size special on 432 of the mighty four uh this one is a thor versus loki fight to the death and mostly it does that so that then we can have a quote-unquote new thor (laughs) even though the newness of it isn't that interesting uh this is written by tom defalco Art by Ron Friends. We got inks by Al Milgram. They're going to be on Thor for a minute. Listen, Zach, after after this, did you love them? After did this you love issue em? of Thor, Ron Friends, no friends of mine. Put him in the friend zone. <laughs> Not talking <laughs> uh, to that guy. Okay, this this <clears throat> I will fully admit. Part of this is that we're jumping into the middle of Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends's run. Yeah, right? sure. so like a, a part of this is like, oh hey, we're right in the middle of stuff. There's a bunch of characters here that we have not had built up, right? Like the Mastersons are a big part here. There's a whole yeah. cop unit called Code Blue that are clearly like <laughs> we could we could spend substantially I... <laughs> too much time talking about Code Blue. <laughs> can, I, can I list a few of their names? Yes. Fireworks Felstein, Captain mm-hmm. Shelley Conklin, Mad Dog Rastiano, Rigor mm-hmm. Ruse, Mother Majowski. Mother and Jock Jackson. <laughs> um, I had there were so many moments in 432 where I was like, "Wait, why is this cop wearing a sleeveless leather vest? Like, what mm-hmm. is what is happening here?" I, I listen like pro police stances <laughs> fairly controversial these days, but these outfits are incredible. I do, I do. Yeah, love and they they don't make it past this run. <laughs> like I'm looking at their their wiki, and like very few of them uh, make it out of the 90s, the early 90s. <laughs> I, I have not heard of Code Blue since, although yeah. uh, never say never. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're right that, like, yes, I'm throwing us in the middle of the development of Eric Masterson, but also you get everything you need here, which is it's Thor's alter ego. Uh-huh. He has a kid. Loki's threatening the kid. That's that's the majority of it, right? And Loki's being a real D-bag here. Uh, he's, being a, he's being a real meanie, I think, even more than usual. And, like, he's threatening to, like, you know, kill this 
guy's kid. Like it's pretty mean, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, uh, it's like, no generally, good. generally speaking, no good. And Thor, by the end of this, is just like Loki. I have had enough. He he beats Loki in this fight. He's about. He's like, I'm gonna send you to Asgard. Loki's like, one last blast, sucker, and he attacks <laughs> um, Eric Masterson's. What is it? Girlfriend, new girlfriend, because he's he's divorced. Yeah, his Marcy, parent yeah. of the child, and and Thor's just like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, are you joking? And he's like, fine, I have to kill you. That was ridiculous. And uh, I don't know. It never the the Thor killing Loki thing, killing quote unquote. Yeah, um, right, of course. It's like it never has the heft of you know Batman refusing to kill the Joker or something like that because Loki's literally the trickster god and yeah he does evil things but also just when you're in that mythology and you're calling someone like a trickster like they're a jester it's just a lot harder to like put emotional heft on it I think and definitely I don't feel that here. Um, maybe if I was a more yeah, diehard Thor reader through this time period, you would, but I don't it just kind of feels like a gimmick. The scene doesn't sell it either, right? That's the, you know, the, the actual, like, him killing him. It's a bunch of, like, charging up my ritual energy, and then I hate to blast my, I hate to blast my bro, but... Well, and it's just, it doesn't feel like a bridge, <laughs> it doesn't feel like a bridge too far for Thor in so many no, ways, because, yeah, like, he's a, a, he's a warrior of Asgard, like, yeah, he, he kills, kills people. people in the realms, he kills yeah. frost giants, like, he's not that far removed from Conan the Barbarian, like, you know, like, as far yeah. as character goes in Marvel, so him killing doesn't have the weight of, like, Daredevil snapping someone's neck, which would be, right. like, yeah. clearly a big deal, you know? Odin Odin reacts in a way that does feel in character for Odin, though, which is like, hey, you can't kill your mm. brother. There's laws. So I'm have, ban- you, have you ever seen a man sleep in woolier pajamas than Odin <laughs> I lo- is trying to? I mean, it gets points just for having Odin sleep, just to remind me that Odin sleep is a thing that he calls I love his, Odin sleep. Every time he goes to sleep, it gets a proper now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Can... Yeah, so he, he banishes Thor for all eternity, <clears throat> and uh, and Thor basically asks Heimdall to let Eric, and Eric is is like the uh, the Donald Blake, right? He he was a human, yeah. and now he became Thor, right? So like, which is so weird. That is such a weird detail that like DeFalco was just like, you know what people miss about Thor? Him being two men and having a secret identity <laughs> again. You know, like that. Yeah. That yeah. impulse to like to have give him a human identity is so strange because Sigurd was a good one. Like Sigurd worked him being a construction worker and just some like a literal well, Norseman. It's definitely a big part that I like a lot about Simonson's. Yeah, run I, I love that. Touch, that's yeah. way more fun. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that's way better than this literal transformation to another human being's yeah. life. Um, but that's what Eric Masterson is. So, so they they basically uh, Thor gives this guy Eric all of Thor's powers. And uh, he becomes the new Thor. Um, can I read sure you? Does. S- sometimes, because uh, I I didn't read these super recently. I read these earlier in the week, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and I pull up the wiki, like the Marvel fandom thing, to remind me <laughs> what's going on. And some of them, these Marvel fandom pages are way too detailed. Like the one for Fantastic Four was like ten paragraphs per issue. Like every panel gets described. This one yeah. is really funny because it's one paragraph doing the whole issue. So everything gets completely flattened the beginning of this synopsis synopsis for at death do we part thor battles loki for the life of kevin (laughs) what a sentence (laughs) accurate (laughs) code blue manages to get kevin to safety and thor beats loki like just i I like the idea of just reading this by the numbers uh (laughs) understated understated he did kill him okay Oh, that's it. I just really like Thor battles Loki for the life of Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Kevin is Eric's son. That is true. Um, but yeah, no, this is this is all about getting Eric as the new Thor. 
Um, basically, he still has the. I guess the main difference between Donna Blake is like he still has the mind of Eric Masterson. Yeah. So we're doing a a minor rendition of a legacy Thor where it's somebody else's thoughts, somebody else's thinking. Um, mm-hmm. They are, he's unexperienced too. So it's not dissimilar from like Jim Rhodes taking over his Iron Man in secret wars. Right. And like, that's kind of the dynamic that this Thor is going to have for a minute as he goes on missions with the Avengers and is kind of like, do they know it's, do they know it's me? Do they know it's not the real Thor? I bet they can tell. And you know, it's kind of got that vibe. I mean, um, some, some good comedy yeah. rung out of this with him trying to like pretend to be Thor. So he's, he's trying to put on the Shakespearean language, but he's not that good at it. Right. So he's fighting, um, Oh, who is it? The troll, right? Ulick, uh, I think. Right? Yeah. It's Ulick. Yep, exactly. And, uh, you know, he's just like, doth thou verily, uh, doth, uh, uh, it's a good, it's a good gag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 stuff works for me enough. It helps that I like. I mean, part part of reading this is like I looked up. I'm like, how long does this guy stay Thor? Not long, you know. Like this is less than two years. I think he stays Thor. So like, just knowing that, I was kind of like, okay, sure, whatever. Like, I'm yeah. I'm not that mad about it, and it's not that frustrating because it's it's funny enough. Like, I I will say it's interesting to see a Thor creative team like like they're trying to figure out what do we do. And I, mm-hmm. I always kind of appreciate those stories and I appreciate those motivations of sort of recognizing that like, hey, the status quo has been going for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we probably shouldn't just keep telling the same Thor stories over and over. What can we do? And I, and I think their answer isn't the most exciting. No. I mean, the, <laughs> it the thing about been, that. But it's, but it's the, something new. The wild thing about that is Thor out of any of the heroes has the widest canvas, right? Like he has one of the, one of the yeah. widest canvases where it's just like, he's a mythological being, like have him go introduce Greek gods, right? In a big way, bring Hercules back, bring Zeus and like, well, they've or, been introduced for decades. No, I know. But you know, like bring him in, in a big way, right? Like start exploring other mythologies, start, you know, like sure. have yeah. him go to Fae, whatever. Like you, you can do a lot with Thor. You are really not Or limited. what if he fought the Wrecker in the streets of New York? Have you considered <laughs> Right. I mean, that, that's one of the fun things about, like, Simonson's run is that he kind of blends... Like, he, he does ground Thor in New York City in a big way and make him feel like an inhabitant of New York City. And he really mm-hmm. does well with the, like, the big larger-than-life Asgardian stuff. Like, I really appreciate those big swings that he yeah. takes with that run. It's, yeah. you know, in this this just feels like a very like all right what are we gonna do i guess people like new characters let's do a new thor who looks precisely like the thor we have before well and the the funniest bit the funniest bit in thor 433 is there's this big build-up of like i'm gonna make my own costume i'm gonna make a new thor costume and he busts it out and he puts together his new thor costume (laughs) and it's almost exactly the same (laughs) like it's nearly identical to a standard thor costume yeah i mean it's it's, fairly different at all it's like got that gym look of uh i think he just like cut the sides off the t-shirt so that you know you can see his like his Mm -hmm. abdomen from the side right that's Mm -hmm. i'm looking at it right now i honestly like kind of forgot that he has a new outfit it's just a new cut (laughs) <laughs> he, yeah, more more thought could be put into uh, the build to that new costume. Yeah, so, yeah. all right, that's going to do it for 1991 Part 2. Uh, next time on 1991 Part 3, we're going to have a special guest, a very oh, yeah. special guest, will be joining us as we talk about New Mutants, 98 to 100. Deadpool. The end of the New Mutants Deadpool's run, the, the debut of Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a whole bunch of Wolverine, including my favorite Wolverine story of all time, Weapon X. And then we're going to talk... X-Force and a crossover with Spider-Man. Zach, 
I gotta be honest, 1993, Part Three has too many comics. I just <laughs> looked at this. I was it a, I clearly was just, has too many comics. I was just and about to it's say, it's a loaded Dave, episode. There's uh, 14 issues of just Marvel Comics presents here. I can't That's... remember if they're short or not. I feel like they must be because it's. I don't think it's it, that that trade. Like if you get the whole Weapon X thing, there's, there's no way it's 120 pages. There's 24. Um, yeah, there's 24 comics on this list. <laughs> Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe if those Marvel much. Comics Presents are half issues, that would be a little bit. Well, it's too. we're recording in three days, so. It's <laughs> no, happening. No go, we have it scheduled. It's happening. No going back. And now. then part four is going to be Infinity Gauntlet. So so keep uh, playing uh, along. Check out the show notes. Yes. Some good stuff. Um, yeah, some really good stuff coming up through through uh, through the end of the year. Dave, make a noise about how that makes you feel. <clears throat> <laughs> stern. It makes you feel stern. Feel gruff, Roger. Uh, no, that'll be super exciting, and we have a special guest for Infinity Gauntlet as well. So, yeah. thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you like my Marvel this year, please, uh, you know, subscribe to the show and uh, please write and review on iTunes. Again, remember if you send us a screenshot to mymarvelthisyear at gmail dot com of or you know Twitter or wherever you find us, uh, we will enter you into the Stiltman drawing. Okay, so I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at Comic Book Herald pretty much anywhere. He's Zach. You can find him at My Marvel This Year online. Music for the show is by Disaster Peace. And again, all the upcoming comics are listed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, everybody. And as always, we'll see you next year. See you next year. Uh